Welcome to the LDS Life Podcast. To contact Kevin Williams, send him an email at kevinw at ldslifepodcast.com. You can also visit his Facebook page at LDS Life Podcast. It is Tuesday, February 23rd, 2021. I'm Kevin Williams, the Blind Montana Man. Janalee Tobias is my guest today. You know, there's been a controversy. By the way, Janalee's been a guest on here several times, and that's a good thing. There's been a controversy going on in Salt Lake, and at least three news outlets in Salt Lake have publicized it, as far as I know. We'll get into that later. KSL, the Deseret News, and the Salt Lake Tribune. And what happened is Jana Lee published, uh, resubmitted a resignation petition online on Valentine's Day. We'll get into that in a little bit, but she she resubmitted this petition going around on the internet on Valentine's Day, wanting and encouraging Mitt Romney to resign. Now, this petition was actually submitted before last year, shortly following Mitt Romney's vote to impeach President Trump the first go-around. By the way, Mitt Romney was the first one to vote to impeach Donald Trump, the first Republican to vote to impeach someone from his own party, and he was the only Republican in 2020 to impeach, to vote to impeach Donald Trump. Also, he was one of the six, he was one of the seven Republicans to vote to impeach Donald Trump on February 13th, 2020. Now, Gina Lee, I think maybe uh, we ought to say something about you submitting this petition on Valentine's Day. That doesn't sound too romantic to me, but uh, maybe you can put a romantic (laughs) twist on this one. Well, I would love to put a romantic twist on it. Go ahead. But I would would also like to say, do you know what is significant about this day? It's 223. 223 what? 223. 223 223 February 23rd yeah. 223 that's okay. ammo for an AR15 Oh is that the first day it was ammo. created No that's what they take it takes 223 ammo Oh really and so, Yeah several years ago when they tried to ban the AR15 we had a rally on February 23rd because of the ammo for the AR15 223 and it was like, gosh, it might have been 10 or 20 degrees below zero. And we still had hundreds of people that met at the Utah Capitol. Oh, is that the rally the that band. was done in 2010? Yes, probably. And it was freezing cold. I heard about there, that. Literally, icicles were hanging off of us. So I just had to point that out. Another tidbit with 223 is yeah. a special day. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I, re- I remember being at a Second Amend- Amendment rally in 2019, right before COVID. And I think it was, I think the one in 2010 is the one that you're talking about. You have a good memory. And so, so yes, I will say that anything that I can do on, especially on Valentine's Day, nothing could be more romantic than doing something for the country that I love to yeah. stop the spread of socialism and to stop the spread of the swamp and the people that want to impede the progress of the little people by only keeping fat cats in charge. 
So maybe we could make a little Valentine on for that day. Like, hmm. Valentine, I just love the way you stir controversy. You stole my heart. Will you be my Valentine? <laughs> you stir my heart just like you stir controversy. Will you be my Valentine? <laughs> How's that? For That's pretty good. Maybe your husband did a little something uh, after you you submitted that resubmitted that petition. <laughs> I, the truth is okay. So he waxed our marble floor, and I I stepped on it, and I completely fell back, and I Ouch. I got hurt very badly. <laughs> so anyway, what led up to my submission resubmission? of the petition for President Trump, or what, oh my gosh, it's terrible to even think of him as president anymore, for uh, for Mitt Romney to resign. I am just simply, I, I was a mama grizzly for a long time, and they're the most powerful force on the planet, I thought, until I became a granny, and now I'm a granny grizzly, and <laughs> I believe that granny grizzlies are even more powerful than mama grizzlies. Mm. So it was on Valentine days. And, and I was just thinking I had been telling my little grandson, the story of little red riding hood. And so when I would say, I would tell him, okay, tell me grandmother, what big teeth you have. And then I would say in my wolf voice, the better to eat you with my dear. <laughs> Wow. And he would laugh so hard, like he laughed. I'm going to cry. He laughed so hard. He cried. <laughs> I'm getting emotional about this. And so as I was getting ready to to retire late, I don't know what you call it, late or early. I'm, I go to bed late. So I was just thinking about how cute that you was. You go to bed oh early God. and uh, your husband stays up all night. So there's two steps forward, two steps back. You come together and opposites <laughs> well, attract. <laughs> we both keep late hours. We we stay up late and we get up early. So um so anyway, so I just I thought I got to do something. We I the spread of socialism is coming so fast and furious with with people like um the, the left AOC and and my friend calls them the Marxist sisters and, mm -hmm. and, and all of the other things that are happening on a rapid pace to destroy freedom. And I thought I, I have to do something. I consider Mitt Romney to be part of the deep state that does not favor policies that help Americans, that help regular Americans to succeed. And in fact, his company, um, it kind of set precedence for how he acts politically in it was a kind of vulture capitalism as everybody knows so i just i thought okay i'm just gonna post this petition on my facebook page and so it's asking mitt romney to resign now i had heard that the, the petition originally started to circulate after the first time that Mitt Romney voted for impeachment and it received a few thousand votes. And then when he voted again 
to impeach for a second time, that's when the petition really picked up steam. And so I posted it. And by the time I awoke, um, it had it, it had gone crazy on social media. So, and then I had a, a telephone call from the Salt Lake Tribune, which I really appreciate. That was a very good article, by the way. Thank you. I'm going to be and, quoting and I, from and that. And I appreciate that. Now, and I'll, and I'll tell you, like, we, we call a, a lot of mainstream media the fake news, you know, but but when when local media does their job, which is to give voice to the oppressed and to give the people voice to the people that don't have a lot of money or power, like just for simple people like me, a granny grizzly, then they are incredibly helpful. So I take my hat off to them in giving a granny grizzly like me to voice my opinion or else all the only only other opinions that would have been known on that our article that went out and did go national by the way um was they were saying oh we don't want to make waves you know how utah republicans are they're weak they're weak i was going to ask you about that What do you think of the quote from the Republican Party leadership, the differences between our own Utah Republicans showcase a diversity of thought in contrast to the danger of a party fixated on unanimity of thought. There is power in our differences as a political party, and we look forward to each senator explaining their votes to the people of Utah. So what do you think of that quote? I disagree a thousand percent. They could not be more wrong. And I will say that on issues, I will give them some kudos for that. But on the president of the United States, Utah voted by overwhelming majority because we thought that Mitt Romney, we're we're overwhelmingly a red state. Now, it is turning uh, more purple as more liberals move in from out of state. That's just the fact. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, they move here because they like our policies here, but they bring their liberal philosophies with them. And they forgot what made Utah a great state as far yes. as I'm not talking about personality. I'm talking about capitalism. Yes. I'm talking about small government and less taxation and less regulation. Net less regulation, so they are a hundred and a thousand percent wrong on that because we were betrayed by Mitt. We thought because I've talked, I don't make statements unless I research them. If I just went off on a limb, um, then I wouldn't be an effective political activist. I I knew I needed to have support. If I was just one, then I'm you know I'm spitting in the ocean. But when mm-hmm. there's a lot of us that agree that way, then I feel completely justified to speak out against Mitt Romney. So we voted him. We thought, wow, like Orrin Hatch was completely a million percent behind Donald Trump. And so um, Donald Trump endorsed Mitt Romney. Orrin Hatch endorsed Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney was the GOP presidential candidate just a mere four years ago. 
So if anyone should be redder than red, not bluer than blue, you know that song? You know, I, <laughs> Life I, I without really, you is going to be bluer than blue. Yeah, I, I really did not think Mitt Romney would endure, uh, support Donald right, Trump. Right, so you thought that too, right? I did, and here's why. He was so busy trashing Donald Trump in 2016, I knew that something was going to erupt when he got back to D.C. I just knew it. Right, because you are a, you are not a sheep, Kevin. And and it would be easy for you to be a sheep because you're blind. I don't mean to be rude. <laughs> yeah. Don't take offense. What I'm saying, <laughs> if anybody's blind, you are blind, but you're not blind. And you and you are completely conservative, you in in everything that you do. So we thought because people that are usually conservative are like, oh Mitt Romney, you know, he saved the Olympics, he was a Republican presidential candidate, certainly. And they, they were willing to forgive. Okay, so Republican Party leadership, you're just wrong on this. You're just a thousand percent wrong because Mitt Romney has countless times badgered the president of the United States, who is the quarterback for the entire United States. And he said he worked work for everybody and he has done something for every, um, every political group. He's done something for them. Okay. So, so, so Mitt Romney, people forgave him and that that's a credit to Utah. We, we talk a lot about forgiveness, but yes, still, the Republicans who voted for him, people that were diehard Romney, who are, for the sake of religious sakes, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, also known as the Mormons, trusted in him, staunch Republicans that met would be on our team. That is the red team. That is the team that, sorry, Democrats, on this one, you're just out of luck. Mitt Romney got voted to represent Utah because Republicans, Republicans, Republicans voted for him. And maybe some Democrats. But interestingly enough, I would bet that the Democrats that voted for Mitt just simply because he was a Trump basher. I guarantee they didn't vote for Mitt Romney for president when he ran as a Republican. So now all these people that are all of a sudden like, oh, all these Democrats, oh, Mitt, he's so gallant. He's so, oh, he sees both sides. And we just, oh, he's man of the year. He represents me. They didn't vote for him for president. So they're hypocrites, okay? Well, so, I have some theories. I think Mitt Romney okay. has a vendetta against President Trump for a few reasons. I think something probably happened between the two of them. Who knows when? But I think that there are some hard feelings there. But I also think, I, I know it's been, a, it's been reported that Mitt Romney has had Ukraine and China connections, and so he didn't want to get caught with whatever scandal might come forth, because after all, Mitt Romney did record, did 
demand an investigation with Joe Biden and the Ukraine. He demanded an investigation with the links between those two people. Then he comes out and, well, then he came out in 2020, voted against President Trump. You know, he voted for the impeachment, the removal of President Trump. By the way, he was the only Republican senator to do so at the time and the first Republican to vote against someone in his party during a removal process. Then he votes with six other Republicans, or he did on February 13th, the day before Valentine's Day, to remove President Trump. So I think that there are some deep feelings between the two peoples, a vendetta and probably a China connection. Let's face it, Mitt Romney was on Wall Street. He was a businessman. He was an investor. I think there's more to the story. What do you think? Well, I have heard those same things, Kevin, and I've read a lot from very credible sources. And I know that you're smart enough not to say that in public unless you have good documentation. So I have heard that many times, um, especially with Mitt Romney's sons. So that that should come out soon. But as far as supposing a, a vendetta, I'll give credit to my husband for this. And he compared Mitt Romney to King Saul in the Bible, who was incredibly jealous of David, young David. And, and there's a scripture like something like, pe- people would say King Saul slays hundreds, but King da- but, but David, who was not the king yet, but David can slay a thousand. And so, it, so King Saul was the king. And this young, this young male who came out of obscurity to take down a giant Goliath, all of a sudden became a hero. And King Saul spent the rest of his days and until he finally gave up trying to kill David and David would have to hide uh, from King Saul. But yet David was loyal to King Saul. And so I'm a gun rights activist. And what I like to say is that we, we need to find out the root causes of crime. So then I'm going to ask you, Kevin, what is the motive for the very first murder in the history of the Bible, of which would be the history of all time. What jealousy. is the motive? Yeah, uh, when Cain killed Abel, I think it was probably jealousy. There was probably civil rivalry going on, and I witnessed civil rivalry my own, my very own self. It's probably jealousy, um, yeah. probably favoritism going on. Why did you know, why did uh, Adam and Eve favor my brother over me? You know, maybe there was. Right. Yeah. I, and, and that's true. And that's why when the whole time I was growing up, they call it um, jealousy's the green eyed monster. You know, you're so jealous. You know, your eyes are green with jealousy. So mm-hmm. it, it wouldn't be surprising to say that Mitt is jealous of, you know, worse. We can say here, I believe that. I would believe that from his actions because he criticized no matter how Trump 
was completely nice to Mitt, like gave him Absolutely. money when he ran for president, endorsed him. Even even after he Trump said you're a, a, pho- a phony and a fraud and you t- talk bad about people. Well, what was Mitt doing? Isn't that the pot calling the kettle black? He's saying Mitt uh, does all these things, but he just yeah. he just said all those rotten things about Mitt. But some, somehow he, he gets off the off the uh, he gets a, a I can't think of the word he gets off he gets a a freebie for nobody held him accountable for his words when he did the very thing that he accused President Trump of so and then even after that when Trump was elected he still had him come and meet as a possible candidate for Secretary of State. And maybe it was that Mitt Romney certainly attracted crowds by the thousands, but Trump attracts crowds by the tens of thousands. So, and, 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 and much like, you know, I'm just kind of totally going off the cuff here. I never really put much thought into this until just now. That's what's good about live radio, live podcasting is because you, you can come up with ideas on the, on this cuff and, and extrapolate on them. But so I think that very much like David, that Trump kind of came out of nowhere, politically speaking, never paid his dues. And he flew the giant, which was, I don't know, 16, 17 presidential candidates because we like him because Trump is a billionaire and they they call him the blue collar billionaire because he speaks for us. Those people, I've been to Trump rallies and the people that go there there are the hardworking, tax-paying Americans that are overlooked, and he remembered us. And Mitt, if you look um, at who his connections are and who his buddies are, and in his business, you know that he did. I would hate to say that, you know, I never would have admitted it while he ran for president, but he did practice vulture capitalism, which is gobbling up the small companies. You know, he just did. So and 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 even is in his policies. So the the people that believed in Mitt, staunch Mitt supporters, have contacted me, and they're telling me that even though I've taken a beating from Democrats, by the way, and and mostly you know like um, some people who I'm sure have been told to go and and troll me on social media, um, that they. They're they're mad at me because I went after Mitt, but the people that are happy that I am, that you know they're they're outnumbered. I mean they're the, the people supporting me far outnumber the people that are ticked off at me, and I don't pay attention to most of them because they're Democrats, and I call them out on it, and I'll say, oh get off your high horse, you know that if a Democrat. If, if if we had if Obama was president and you had a Democrat senator and they voted to impeach Obama, you would be ticked too. So get off your moral yep. high ground here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, let me ask you some uh, some questions. Oh, by the way, Evan McMullen chimed into this too, um, basically yes. saying that Mitt has done more to preserve. I'm paraphrasing more to preserve liberty. liberty and save the Constitution. Well, I'm with you, Janelle. I think uh, Evan McMullen 
is 1,000% wrong because in the Constitution, in Article 4, Section 2, and I'm going to paraphrase it here, but it says that the people who should be impeached are the president, vice president, and those in civil offices. Or I think it says civil officers. I can't remember. But it does say that those are the only people. It mentions nothing about private citizens. It mentions nothing about, oh, since so-and-so was the president and now he's not, oh, we can impeach him. No, it's very specific. And I am not a Mitch McConnell fan. And by the way, he definitely spoke out of both sides of his mouth. But when he's right, he's right. And I agreed with him on that particular part of his speech that I listened to on Saturday, February 13th, after the vote. Well, that's a really great point, Kevin. And and I would just like to point out that just a little research on Evan McMullen, he worked for the CIA. He was an, a CIA operative. And I can have my personal beliefs about this, that all of a sudden, Evan McMullen comes out of nowhere in Utah, and runs against Donald Trump, like who's Evan McMullen? Yeah. But, but they, but people, this elections are big business, so they would know. Like he could come off as like, oh, I'm the good guy, and I would never talk like Donald Trump. It's just so mean, and he shouldn't say the p word, you know. And and people in Utah, to their credit, because I have family members that voted for him. But that's because my family members are honest, law-abiding, um, church-going people that would never speak like Donald Trump. And so to, that, that they can't fathom that. And so, but now that they have seen what Donald Trump has done for them, as far as, by the way, very much freedom of religion, let's talk about abortion. Donald Trump is the only president that, he, that has attended the national walk for life for pro-life yes he did spoken at and and nra conventions he he rescinded the johnson amendment that made it possible where churches couldn't talk about politics or they lose their nonprofit status so there's a lot of things that donald trump has done and to to the credit of the good people in utah who are really some of the most nicest and trusting people who were who who Mitt Romney took advantage of that, by the way, and I'm ticked about that. Not even from Utah, not even from Utah. And he comes here and he's a carpetbagger, and he knew that all he would have to do is throw a few family home evenings. Do you remember when he would do that when yeah. he was running for office? Oh, come and spend have a fireside. On Monday night, with you know, I, I have something to say about that. He and I do want to okay. get into the carpetbagger issue. I remember he gave a fireside at a mid singles ward that I attended. I did not go because I had other obligations. When was this? And, uh, this was back in 2016. This was back okay. in July of 2000. No, this was back in June. No, it was in July. It was in July of 2016, I do believe. Uh, trying to, no, it was in June. Yeah, it was in June of 2016. And I said to a girl that I was dating, oh, I'll bet you he's coming for political reasons. Oh, you're so skeptical, Kevin. No, let's think about this. He trashed Donald Trump. He's a presidential candidate or was, 
And I got a lot of flack for saying that, but I knew that there was something behind it. As far as being a carpetbagger, I am going to disagree with you about that. I am not a Mitt Romney fan, but this is why I don't believe that he's a carpetbagger. Mitt Romney knows the Utah culture very well. He was born and raised in the church. He went to BYU and uh, obviously spent some time in Utah, a good four-plus years, and has a vacation home. I'm not sure that I would call him a carpetbagger, but what's your point or what's your view? Well, I I, re, I can respect that, and I think that's why people did vote for him, because they did not perceive him as a carpetbagger, but he didn't live here. Okay, so if we contrast him with the other people that were running for Senate, Mike Kennedy, for example, who was his primary opponent, he is from Utah. He did serve in the Utah legislature. He is a doctor and a lawyer, and he understood Utah. And I just want to know how Mitt Romney really understands Utahns. When when he comes here to raise money, he has his fundraising event at Deer Valley, except for when he's running for president and he has a fireside with just come meet the wife and I, you know, at Hell Center Theater, by the way, that receives tens of thousands of dollars of taxes to fund their their community theater. <laughs> yeah. So um so I I, I would, I can see your point, but he's a carpetbagger. He doesn't, if, if you also, in a symbolic sense, a, car, a carpetbagger would be somebody that doesn't get you, somebody that doesn't, that's not down with your struggle, somebody that doesn't understand that when you increase sales taxes or when you put a, a service tax on a, a storage rental unit, for example, that that hurts people because I have fought the food tax several times and I helped to lead the fight last year to keep the sales tax off of food and off of services. And the people that go to these meetings that are saying how much these, they, they, they like to Mitt Romney's type means nothing to him and the Huntsman's, by the way, you know, uh, John Huntsman, I have, knowledge of how he would uh, kind of scoff at some of the tax limitation mm -hmm. uh, petitions that went around in the early days when he was a kid, you know, because he couldn't understand how, how uh, you know, like even a $5 amount increase in taxes could possibly hurt anybody. That's kind of what I'm talking about here with Mitt Romney when he's not on our level. Mm -hmm. Because most people struggle. They live paycheck to paycheck. And as more, as we have to, it, it is a fact now that for every wage earner in Utah, just Google this one, internet search it, I should say, but, but even Google, you know, like you, like 62% of our taxes, I think, go to fund illegal aliens. So I've always felt like that. So I just want to say to all the workers out there, <clears throat> make sure that you work really hard because three, you know, what, what 62%, you're supporting three or four other illegal alien families that come here. So um, it's getting harder and harder for the American citizen to, to make ends meet. Mitt does not understand that. And just, and he wants to raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour. You know what? 
truthfully, $15 an hour really is not going to do anything to help because $15 an hour is still not very much money to support a family. And that's a whole another discussion. Yes. But what it will do is it will rate, um, it will cost a lot of jobs. These are jobs that typically go to uh, people trying to work their way through college or they just, you know, they're, they're working these $50 an hour jobs on their way to try to earn $50 an hour jobs. So um, that, did you go ahead? Did you have any other questions yeah, about that? Um, it did. I Go ahead. Well, yeah. So I've got a list of questions that I want to ask. Uh, first of all, we kind of covered this. Utah, I know you said in your article, the article that was written about you in the Tribune, Utah's a red state. I just want to know, how much more liberal do you think Utah is from 1977 to 2021? And I want to know that because in 19, you referenced in the Standard Examiner uh, letter to a millennial, you referenced a speech, and actually they embedded it in their in their on the on their webpage to their credit. Now, I don't know much about the Standard Examiner. I think they're out oh. of Ogden, aren't they? Uh, they're. I think they're at Southern Utah. Are they okay? Anyway, uh, they you mentioned President Benson, and they had it on. They embedded it in their webpage. I think that was okay, probably part of, of your part letter. of my ignorance. Part of my ignorance. What does in bed mean? <laughs> I don't mean they, as in bed. In politicians are all in bed. I mean like in bed. Like <laughs> yeah, it means that they <laughs> they just put a button on their web play page to play the uh, to play the speech so that you wouldn't have to go clear out and find it. Which I'm sure that you probably embedded oh, it. Oh, okay. Okay. Anyway, so President Benson gave a very, very interesting speech. I heard the whole speech. It was at a BYU devotional, April 12th, 1977, which, by the mm -hmm. way, is the year that my sister was born, one of them. Oh, and, oh uh, wow. Well, I, I'd like to talk to you about that speech later, but I bring up 1977 because you referenced that speech. How much more liberal do you think Utah's getting especially from Ogden down to Provo. Now, you can debate that Utah County is probably more conservative than Salt Lake County, but it's getting pretty liberal unless you want to talk about, well, even if you talk about Spanish Fork, Payson, which is, might be more conservative than Provo, what do you think is the landscape of Utah politics from 1977 to the present? Well, I don't, I don't know statistically, by, but just a gut feel is Utah has become a lot more liberal. But I'll tell you what, what has not changed are the principles of socialism and communism and capitalism and the, the truth that Ezra Tapp Benson spoke about in that BYU devotional address, which my cousin sent to me and kind of Every once in a while, you have to get something, your fire's burning low, and if somebody puts another log on the fire, you're going to get rekindled. And that yes. speech was one of them. When Ezra Tapp Benson talked about why socialism is bad and communism, which they're, they're the, the same, like he explains it the best. People should really 
yeah, socialism is like a, a revolution, and then communism is the real thing. It's very similar to Venezuela. Right. Which um, it, gosh, I, I'm going to have to find a quote from that article, but but basically it was a, a very prominent statesman stated about socialism that it does nothing to lift people up; that it just drags them all down. Capitalism yeah. lifts people up. So, and, and the ruling class, the, the laws don't apply to them. So, so all these, these, this, you know, yeah, like you're referencing an article. I, I ripped off of a, a Facebook post. I was so sick of the hate mail I was getting, you know, yeah. and, and so this millennial was trying to tell me how great socialism is. And that just set me off. Well, let me ask you a question, though, because I get this argument quite often. And to be fair, I have never been to Germany. I've never been to Western Europe. But people will tell me, and I do want to bring this up, and then I want to ask you a couple more questions. Um, but let me let me get back to Utah, though, real quick before I ask, we talk about Europe. I have noticed, and just my gut feeling, like you, I've never checked any statistics, but my gut feeling says that rural Utah, when I say rural Utah, I'm talking primarily central Utah, south central Utah, Manti, Fountain Green, Fairview, that whole area. I don't know about you, but I find it to be like you're going back in time, at least the mentality and politi- politics about 30, 40, 50 years ago. I meet people from that area. Maybe it's just because I've been to political rallies in Utah and a lot of people from that area seem to come up that way into Salt Lake. But it's a lot like going back in time when you go into that area of Utah, isn't it? Or is that just my gut feeling? Or what do you think? Because it seems like that area well, might actually be getting I more would conservative. Say- Again, for being blind and you're unable to see the campaign signs, I, I take it you can't see campaign signs, right? Correct. You've never seen a political campaign sign in Correct. your life. Have you seen anything? Never. Wow. Wow. I remember you asked me to describe pink. Oh. <laughs> makes me kind of cry thinking about it. And I think I said cotton candy. Think of pink as cotton candy. Oh, okay. Um, so, so you go down to, to all of those counties that you just mentioned, and there are no signs for Democrats there who are liberal. Okay, I have a lot of Democrat friends. If they hear this, they're going to be ticked at me. It's not, I like Democrats. Some of my best friends are Democrats who have since uh, unfriended me, by the way because of my support for Trump. But um, it's the policies, and it's not the policies of the JFK Democrats. It's the policies of the radical leftist, socialist Marxist that want to redistribute the wealth and have a ruling class that tells you what to eat, what kind of car you drive. They dictate everything that we do. And that is what we're fighting against. That is why we liked Donald Trump, because he fought against socialism. So to see Mitt Romney to vote against Donald Trump is a vote for socialism, because Donald Trump was the cog in the wheel. 
Everybody yeah. knows it, who understands what's going on. It's the cog in the wheel against socialism and a complete takeover ruler. Uh, people tell, they think we're too stupid that they have to tell us what to eat, what car we drive. And they, and they just tell us, like, there's no, there's no other thought. Mm-hmm. There's not even you can't even free speech is out the window. A, a conservative can't speak at a liberal college campus. How messed up is that? But you the would agree with me though that uh, the the places in Utah that I just mentioned are probably more conservative than the Salt Lake area and even Utah County, correct? As a whole. Yes. Why do you think that is? Is it because it's farmland? Farmers have a different mentality? You brought up a point, there's no political signs. Why do you think that is? And do you think it's more conservative down there than, let's say, 30 to 50 years ago? Um, I, I don't know about more conservative, possibly. And, and if so, it's because they're digging in their heels against socialism. But I'll, I'll tell you why. It's because they are the producers, because... My family, my background is farming and ranching from my mother and father, whose families owned prominent ranches and farms. And in fact, uh, my mother's family received a award from the governor of Idaho for being Centennial Farm, a a family farm and continual uh, farming for over 100 years. So the people that work their fannies off with their hands, and they go out and they feed the world. And then the people that they feed want to take their rights away from them, want to tell them that the family lifestyles that they enjoy, they don't get to enjoy. And so I remember as a kid, way back in the day, there was a bumper sticker going around in Idaho because that's a farm. I lived in the farm country of Idaho, and it was don't cuss farmers with your mouth full. And I would say that to all the liberals and the socialists who are cussing out the farmers and want to take away, want us to have Franken meat and GMO food and all this weird crap that they think that that it's so much more pure and holy for us to eat than than eating um, than eating cows. Or or pigs or chicken or or e- eating our the fruits of our own labor. That that is why. Know yeah. what it takes. People yeah. who drive okay. through McDonald's, they have no idea, no clue. Do you know how hard ranchers work? Just for one Very. freaking hamburger. Do you know how much work went into one hamburger? On the ranching side, and then on the bun side and the produce side, and they eat it like it's nothing. And then all the people that get the welfare, they get it for free. They get it for free. So people that work their fannies, work their fingers to the, you know, work their fannies off, work their fingers to the bone, are getting free food. They're getting the free food. And it's still not enough for them, and they still want more. And that is why. But they do that because that is a good lifestyle. It's good and wholesome. It's good to be out in nature and to work with your hands and to breathe the fresh air and to see the fruits of your labor. And there is satisfaction in feeding the world. I'm sure there is. Oh, I'll tell you what. I rely Uh, on them, too. I'll tell you what. And I've got some more questions here, and then we'll wrap this up. I'll tell you what, though. When I was 14... 
my mom went to see one of my siblings in Texas. This is back in 1994. School had just gotten out. My mom knew what she was doing. Now, mind you, I was a wrestler. wasn't very good, but I did it. And uh, Now, that's uh, interesting. <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. I had a very, uh, very stern coach. I actually really thought for a while till I looked in his background, I thought he was in the military, just the way that he would coach. But it was good for me to have that discipline. Yeah, you did one little thing wrong. You were kicked off the team, potentially. But it was good for me because it got me the structure. But my mom wanted me to stay at my sister's farm. She had a farm back then. And I stayed there for a good week and a half. Probably I might've stayed there for a week. My mom knew what she was doing. I, I didn't work all day on the farm, but I did work. I siphoned tubes. I actually got to drive a tractor, which was kind of funny being blind. And the, my brother-in-law just say, stop, go, stop, go, turn left, turn right, whatever. <laughs> and, like uh, you drive a tractor. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I just thought it I, I was good. I, I enjoyed it, and it taught me the value of hard work. Not that I didn't know it, but it just enforced my views of hard work even further. The only problem was I was 14, and you know how 14-year-old boys think. I just wanted to go into town after the day was over with farming so I could meet some hot ladies. You know how 14-year-old boys are. <laughs> and... 44 year old and 74 and yeah. Okay. <laughs> but um, yeah. yeah. So I think you're right. I haven't even thought about, you know, I just eat a hamburger and think, Oh, that was good. Or that was crappy, whatever. But you're right. A lot goes into that. I've never thought about it, but well, uh, to give you an idea, <clears throat> my cousins who live just a couple hours from the grand Canyon and they own a ranch. Um, they have never been there. They're too busy. So isn't that something? So the yeah. people that are producing all this food and all this yummy uh, produce and yummy food that we love, they don't get to go have the fun that everybody else is out having. Well, they're feeding them and they're, and, yeah. and the, because it's hard work and, and plus you're worn out. Uh, you know, a, day, a day's work on a ranch or a farm, you're completely wiped out. There's no time. You know, there's no hardly any energy to, yeah. You know, left unless you stay on the farm and have a roll in the hay. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Okay, so um, that that's just the way it is. So, and, so and we go ahead. Go ahead. This is this is your show, but I got to get this in though because I, I want to. I this came up in my Kevin file. And okay. I just want the people listening to know this about you because um, I wrote, it's okay, I'm going to, well, yeah. I, I wrote a letter of recommendation for you and I want people to understand. Gosh, sorry, I'm getting emotional, Kevin. I want people to understand who you are. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad there's not a Zoom camera. Okay. So I put, um, I, I've known Kevin for more than 10 years. I met him through a radio station in Utah. I met Kevin because he was a producing a radio show that I was a frequent guest on a talk radio show. We would talk at the radio station. <clears throat> Sometimes he would fill in for radio talk show hosts. 
I was always impressed with Kevin's great radio voice and his knowledge of politics and his ability to carry on a conversation. I've been a guest on Kevin's podcast so many times. He knows how to keep a conversation moving and ask deep probing questions that many talk show hosts don't have the guts or the know how to ask. I got to take a little drink to sec. <clears throat> like Marco Rubio, he took a drink of water and he got criticized, you know. <laughs> that yeah. He is a pleasant conversationalist. I always looked forward to being a guest on Kevin's podcast because he made me feel very welcome and was not at all rude or tried to be tricky with questions. I've also become good friends with Kevin throughout the years. What first and foremost stands out about Kevin is that he is not a victim. He has never, ever played the victim card, and he has every excuse in the world to do that. He's blind. He never ceases to amaze me with his abilities and his capability to travel, shop, and attend events that are completely out of the way from where he lives. He's intelligent, and he is a great example to me for his courage and his blindness not being a crutch in any way for him. He is a great role model for other people with disabilities, especially blind people. He enjoys learning and is always keeping current on local, state, and national issues. Kevin, quite simply, is remarkable. Well, thank um, you. Any, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. And and then it's just anybody would be lucky to have Kevin as part of their um, as part of their institution. He'll be a role model for many people, and he's an asset to all of us. So, in case you know people were wondering about you, I think it's important that in this area of victimhood, people play, and people being offended at everything. You're not that way. No. Nope. I attribute a lot of that to my mother. She made sure that I wasn't going to be the victim. Now, I, I, I will say this, and I do want to get back to some more questions, but I will say this. If it wasn't for my mom, I would have been everything that she said I'm not because my dad definitely coddled me growing up. My dad was the one that was very protective. Let me give you an example. I remember... Going out, I used to ride on skateboards. Now, I didn't know that you had to actually put your foot on a skateboard and ride it like a scooter. I just thought you could sit down and ride on it. I had no idea until I was years <laughs> older. That's that... the way I ride it. Really? <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> just sit on So them. my dad pulls up and pulls out of the driveway, says, Kevin, where are you going? I told him, he goes, I don't want you going there. You can go to this area here, and then you can stop. Well, okay, I wasn't happy, but I followed his rules because I was only six, no, seven years old. You, you know, back then you didn't argue with your parents. It's just something you didn't do, at least. Yeah, um, I want to go back to those days. Yeah. <laughs> so. Anyway, so, but when my mom was around, she knew that I was going to the area that I was going to go to, and she didn't care at all. In fact, uh, my mom encouraged me to go out and uh, see the world, not in a bad way, but, you know, you know, just see what's around. And she would encourage me to walk from my house to a friend's house and back. And she would encourage me to walk around the whole entire neighborhood and 
come back. And she was encouraging me to do all that when my dad was very reluctant to let me do so. Uh, so I have to attribute it to my mom. In fact, my dad told me later in life that uh, apparently when they found out that I was blind, my mom immediately said to my dad, I'm going to raise him. So I have to give the, uh, I have to give kudos to my mom. Well, that's really a great story. Yeah. Because usually the moms are, you know, kind of the ones that do the coddling. Yes. That, I, so, yeah. Yeah. My, my well, dad. That's would, really awesome. I remember going water skiing with some people that I barely knew. My dad was giving me an earful. Of, oh, don't do this. Don't do that. I thought, shut up. I'm 21 years old or 24, however old I was. Uh, 22. I think I can handle this on my own, Dad. Shut up about it. I didn't say that, but I was thinking that. Um. Anyway, and I knew the people enough. Not like I was going through with some stranger that I barely met off the internet. Um. Anyway, so I want to ask you though. Back to Mitt Romney. Do you think? What do you think? What is your? What is the aim with this petition? I know you didn't start it. I know it was started by a guy named Larry Meyer. I don't know who he is. But do you think that this petition is going to get any traction in Washington? Do you think he's going to resign? What is the aim of this? Do you think? Well, I would say that we have to take a stand, and so. Here's what I love about people that obey the law and respect the law. This is the law-abiding way that citizens protest. We don't go out and burn stuff down. We don't throw bricks in buildings. We don't go disrupt traffic and hurt people. We sign petitions. We attend city council hearings. And that is the way that we make change. Now, it doesn't seem very fair because it certainly seems like the ones who are burning and looting get more attention. Just like in school, the, it seems like the kid that was always causing a disruption in class got all the attention. Oh, believe me, I was one had... of those kids at one point. <laughs> wow, that's hard to believe. <laughs> I can't believe that one. But oh yeah, I had a reading so teacher in seventh grade. I called her a communist because she was a Bill Clinton fan. My parents were not happy. <laughs> Carry on. Well, that's a good kind of trouble to get in. <laughs> so, but you know, there's a kind, you know, like throwing stuff or, you know, just talking out of turn or just being obnoxious and they get all the attention. So pretty soon the, the students that aren't getting attention figure out, I'm going to act out, then I'll get attention. And that's what's going on. So, so we, I'll, I'll never, I'm never going to advocate for a violent overthrow and, and for representative soon. I wish I was, I wish I had a bigger voice and a bigger microphone and I wish I was, just more than a, a granny grizzly, but I would like him to hear. I'm glad you're paying attention to cancel culture. Where have you been all these months when people were burning and looting? Now that's the cancel culture. What about the cancel culture of your cancel out Trump and make him not even valid, like, oh, pretend like he never existed as president. So this is a cancel culture that most peaceful type of cancel culture to be part of. And, and not only that, like to sign a petition, you're putting your name out there. Unlike the first impeachment um, hearings, there was an anonymous source. Anonymous, anonymous, anonymous. 
one anonymous source to impeach President Trump. And by the way, for the election fraud, thousands of people put their name on a piece of paper and signed that they testified that they saw election fraud. Well, the same thing applies on these petitions. You're signing your name to it and you're and people can see the names. You're now in danger of being put on a list because you support Trump or you're against Mitt Romney. So now if, if AOC has her way and the leftists will be put in Trump re-education re camps. So now it's, it's harder and harder to have courage, especially if you're conservative. To sign that petition means a lot of things for your family. You could lose your job. You could get put on a list. You could be targeted. Who knows what could happen? Or we could go wear black hoods and and in the cover of night, go burn down buildings where nobody's ever going to know who we are. So basically, so with that said, oh, go ahead. Well, fifty thousand um, signatures is is pretty good, you know. I mean, it's really good actually. In a matter of a week, when we don't have any money, like uh, the people who are funding the leftists to get the word out, we have, thank goodness, some newspaper, a little bit of media coverage, but not a lot. Yeah, you actually got um, a coverage in the Washington Post. That was pretty good. Yeah, that that's really good. So how how many lists am I on right now? You know, oh, I'm seriously, on a few. am I dumb or what? Like I must be the stupidest granny grizzly out there, you know, to to become so vocal about a person so powerful, you know, with aligned with with the most powerful people in the world. So, so to sign a petition is an act of bravery. Whereas, uh, you know, what throwing and burning down buildings is an act of cowardice. So there's a lot of petitions out there. So people, it's hard enough to get people to sign one petition, let alone, you know, more than one, but there's like, there's petitions to censor. And then there's another one out there to impeach, which, supposedly got, according to a, the news source, 100,000 in an hour. But everything is being done to squash the opposition, make us look like loonies, you name it. So I'm on that list. So I'll take a chance for my, for my grandson who laughs at when I say, that better to eat you with, my dear. You know, <laughs> that's who we fight for. So basically, uh, what you're saying is uh, we're not violent. Um, we're standing up for something. Even if this petition gets very little traction, it's about fighting for the cause. Am I correct summing this all up? Yes. Yeah. Now, and I'm we curious. want him to resign. Yeah, I'm curious. <laughs> though, how many... so many people that are ticked at him. Well, let me ask you this. How many people actually, how many signatures actually have to be on that petition in order for him to resign? Is there a number or how does that work? Do you know? Well, that's a really great question because Utah doesn't have a recall law. Now, I've heard that senators can be impeached. I don't know. I need to research that. But Utah doesn't have a recall law. But there are several Facebook groups that are pushing to get Mitt Romney removed. So I'm not I'm not one person 
as my mom used to say, you're a spit in the ocean. <laughs> you know, th this is this is a little hurricane brewing. And so it's not a legal position. This is an opinion poll. He's not going to listen to it, obviously, because he never listened to the constituents that voted for him to be loyal to President Trump as a Republican. So it can sure it's better sign a petition or, or go and you know, accost him. I, I suppose if we were like Maxine Water, we would go tell our, you know, people that who don't like Mitt to go surround him and make a scene and get others to point and scream at him. But we don't do that. This is a civilized nation. We sign petitions and we peacefully protest, really peacefully. Peacefully is not defined as setting buildings on fire, <clears throat> setting vehicles on fire, putting graffiti, um, pooping in the street, and all the other disgusting things that we have witnessed that the mainstream media has called a peaceful protest. It's not a peaceful protest. Signing a petition is a peaceful protest. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. And, uh, you know, even people who, who have been in protests, you know, that might sound radical. I'm thinking about one in particular over the summer in Idaho. Uh, he wasn't violent. He maybe you didn't like his tactics, but he didn't have a gun. He wasn't threatening to shoot anybody. So you're right. Now, if nothing is done about this petition, what do you hope for an outcome? If, if Mitt, it doesn't look like Mitt Romney's going to pay attention, that's why I was hoping there'd be thousands and thousands of signatures on there, because if there were, then it couldn't be ignored. But if nothing is done, do you think something will come out of this? Well, we certainly knew that we made a stand and signing a petition if that's the only option for us right now and we also have to trust that the people who are collecting signatures on change.org are being honest with the count i'm not sure of the that everybody has a leaning nowadays everybody knows that certain corporations lean left or lean right. So I don't know if, if change.org leans left or right. I have a I have a suspicion the way they lean. So you have to trust them that that that's the accurate count. Now the one to censor uh, in that article that that the members of the well I'm I'm privy to information all I can say is that one is, is a safe petition for people to sign that where their information won't be shared and that that will be an accurate count. So um, anyway, but we, ev everything that we do in life is we, we have to have a basic trust in, in what we're doing and the people that are, the people that are feeding us, the people that are, you know, people at the restaurant they're not spitting in the food or something you yeah. know we have to have some basic trust levels or or we wouldn't walk out of the house so 
I don't know, but as far as making a stand, yeah, I'm gonna try to get some signatures. Here, here's another one. You've lived in Utah long enough to know that there were several um, petition efforts underway to get on the ballot for a vote on cannabis and redistricting. And I remember issues. that. I wasn't in Utah at the time, but I heard all about it. Yes. And, and and some that I've worked on, by the way, term limits and tax limitation. So mm-hmm. we'll go. And, and uh, traditional marriage, by the way, was passed by the vote of the people. Yes, that one was three. overturned. I remember that. Yep, that one was overturned by a district court judge, Robert Shelby, who yep. was an Obama appointee. And the other, so the other petitions that we got the signatures and then the people voted on, they were overturned by the legislature. So what do we do? What do we do? Like we get the signatures, we even vote, and we're still not being listened to. Is there, is there any doubt why people are upset and, and maybe won't sign the petition because they'll say, what good does it do? They don't listen. What do you do? They don't listen. <laughs> they don't listen. So what do you do? I don't know. I don't even know, Kevin. I don't know the answers. I don't know yeah, how to get the only thing that I can think listen. of is uh, if your mission was to fight the good fight, I guess you could meet God and Judgment Day and said, I did my very best. It's the only thing I can think of. I, you know what? That that's all we real. That's all we. That's all we have, and we will be held. Um, we are commanded to preserve freedom. Yes. It, well, we are. Every the Bible. I don't know. You know, like. I don't know if commanded or asked or whatever, but I'll say, I'll say this. Members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I just started to read a book by Verlin Anderson. The very first paragraph talks about how um, people who have the gospel of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and freedom have an extra special calling to protect it. They have the knowledge. The Book of Mormon is all about that America was a chosen land of liberty and that we are under obligation to ensure that people, that we preserve freedom and liberty. Yeah. And in the Bible, don't forget, you know, there's a real famous scripture that where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Yes, that's true. So why do you think... The Republicans of Utah, the Republican leadership, I should say, has gotten more liberal, let's say, over the past maybe 10, 20 years. I don't know. You've been involved in politics longer than me. Well, that's a good question, and I would look towards their campaign contributions, and they hate it when you say that. But look who funds them. And they say that their vote can't be influenced. But it's my, are they going to listen? You know, like I, if I don't, like I think I'm doing really good, like $25. And then, wow, I, I'm being really like giving if I donate 100 And then I look at these big corporations that donate and they're donating 100000 Like, oh, wow, you know, a measly $25, even a measly 100 which isn't measly to the middle class. It's not measly to the middle class. $100 is a week of groceries. Yes, so, it you, is. so you're donating a week of groceries 
to somebody that you believe in. And then you have somebody that has completely opposite views as you who are donating a hundred thousand. So, so I don't know. I think it's definitely a question that's worth asking, but what they'll tell you is that it's expensive to run. And so, um, how are they supposed to fund it? Which is true. It is very expensive to run for office. I've run for office twice and we spent mostly our personal monies, our grocery money, you know, stuff like that to, to run for office. So I, but I, I think it's definitely questions that need to be asked in the future because we want to get people in office that understand the middle class, understand what it's like to have a tax increase that's going to increase your cost of living, even by $5 a week. I heard the pe I've been to tax hearings. I hear people pleading and begging and saying, please don't raise the tax on food. That means the difference between eating and not eating. How can they keep ignoring us? Yeah, that's true. Well, uh, Janalee, is there anything? Uh, by the way, stay with me after the podcast. I want to talk to you about something. You're not in trouble, though. Uh oh, <laughs> I'm used to. Be, well, I got to be surprised if I'm not these days. But, but anyway, yeah. Thanks for the opportunity uh, to to vent. I'm venting. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so it's better to vent. We have to have free speech for people to understand. If you're afraid, if you're afraid of letting somebody on the opposite side of you speak, that's a big clue. Like, yep. don't let this happen. Free speech is our very, 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 very most important right. And people need to be allowed to vent because if it's like a pressure cooker. If you let off some steam, you know, you're going to be able to handle life. <laughs> if, yes. You know, you don't have it. So, so social media is very good for venting. For now, until they kick us off. Right. Actually, I can tell you a few places to go to off the podcast. Okay. Um, anyway, folks, I'm going to end this podcast. I hope you enjoyed our discussion and Janalee's rant. I thought it was good. You know, one they of the things off the top, I didn't plan anything. I just like, I just spoke from the gut and how I feel and what I'm passionate yeah. about right now. So, well, that's good. Now, I, I've been getting complaints. Oh, your podcasts are too long. Well, one of the reasons they're so long is because my podcasts are very conversational. Uh, what I've tried to do is model myself after the way a guy named John B. Wells used to do it. He doesn't do it anymore because unfortunately, He's back on Terrestrial Radio, I, which he's always been at least one night a week. Well, for a while, but now he's on five nights a week. I resent that. But his conversations, his podcasts were very, very conversational, much like you and I. The difference is his podcasts go three to four hours long. That's a little much for me to be podcasting, but right. I and, think and we look, covered. And Rush Limbaugh, Rush Limbaugh, three hours every day, and he uplifted people every day and so oh i was going to ask you where were you by the way when you first heard the rush limbaugh program i i i did my tribute to rush on a previous podcast i think i was at my mom's house um i was just probably um, in college or just married but but i specifically remember listening to rush in texas i was at a republican convention in 
San Antonio, I think it was. And so I I remember, and I'm I I still cry every day. Like he's just completely phenomenal. What do you say about Rush? He knew he knew how to talk about everything. He he made you feel that everything was going to be okay, and he was right about everything. And I'll admit, and Rush. I, I thank God for Rush. And I said this before, but. There was a time where I banded Rush. Well, I don't know if you knew this. I used to be a Democrat. In fact, when I first started at KTALK, I was a Democrat. Oh, no, um, I didn't know that. Yes. and But the thing that bothered me about President Bush, or Rush, at least for a while, is he was such a cheerleader to the Republicans. It was like he was a Republican crony, and that bothered me. And hmm. I, I banded him for a long time. I, I'd listen to him on occasion, but... Uh, once he woke up, though, in 2016, 2015, to how bad the Republicans were performing, he really woke up. That's when I started listening to him again. I really think he had a come-to-Jesus moment. What do you think? I think that is probably what happened, because the Republican platform is is not what they are. I'm a Republican because of the platform not because of the people in office. And so we just kept wanting to believe that Republicans would follow the platform, which is a very beautiful, in fact, when I hear the Republican platform being read and when there is a requirement that they have in the precinct meetings that they have in Utah, it's very beautiful and very much freedom-minded and very much uh, would seem to protect the rights of the individual and to protect not only our rights, but our money and that our money that we earn belongs to us and not other people that didn't earn it. Yeah. All right, folks, unless you have something else to say, uh, Jana Lee, I'm going to end the podcast here. Okay. Thank It was uh, nice talking with you. Thanks for asking me to be a guest. Absolutely. We'll do this again sometime. Okay. Thanks, Kevin. Yep. Thank you for listening to the LDS Life Podcast. If you want to make a suggestion, comment, or to recommend a guest, email Kevin Williams at kevinw at ldslifepodcast.com. Be sure to check out his Facebook page, LDS Life Podcast.